Hello and welcome. The name of this podcast series is Taboo Truths and Tales. So why these particular T words are all in the title, you may may want to know. Fair question. It's because this podcast deals with subject matter considered to be taboo. This podcast deals with a person's perception of truths. And this podcast deals with storytelling tales of fiction told by an individual. You need to choose for yourself what you perceive as truths versus tales because very often in real life that distinction is not crystal clear. This podcast is marked explicit. What that means, you should not listen to this podcast if you happen to be under the age of 18 or if someone under age 18 is listening there with you. Explicit means nobody under age 18 should be listening to this podcast series. So here we go. Taboo Truths and Tales is hosted by Madeira D'Souza. That's me. Some of you may know me by my nickname as Woody. Whatever you want to call me, I welcome you here to this podcast, which is definitely intended for people who are 18 or older. Thank you. Now let's get started. I think your name is powerful. I was trying to think of a word and powerful just jumped to mind. How does this sound? And the Oscar goes to Annette Houlihan <laughs> Vertolino. I always thought I thought that I would for sure be winning a, a Tony Award before I was 25. I was like, well, that has not happened. So I also think that my name is sort of like looking at the UN, you know, <laughs> just like the longest thing on the marquee. Um, that was not my intention, but thank you for thinking it sounds powerful. So. Well, it, it does. When a when a person has three names, you know, and and I don't know what's wrong with me. All I can think of is Mary Tyler Moore, and that's that's not a good example, is it? I don't know. Uh, well, no. I mean, that is a good. She got a good strong. That is a good strong name, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask you. Well, I will ask you. What, if any, do you consider to be your taboo truths? If I look back on, uh, like, how I was raised, you know, I was, you know, even though I grew up in New York, I grew up in, in you know, in Queens, very, very blue-collar, very, you know, extremely Catholic neighborhood. So I feel like my whole life, everything that sort of brings me the most sort of joy or um, emotion or um, depths of experience were, were, would be considered taboo. Um, from that perspective, um, I think, you know, all, you know, my experiences, <laughs> uh, as, as, as a, a little kid growing up in very Catholic, very blue collar, very conservative, you know, um, racist, <laughs> you know, <laughs> means, you know, I gotta be honest about it, you know, um, I feel like every my whole experience, you know, has been taboo. So my taboo truth is that uh, ev- everything, you know, that I hold dear almost is, is a taboo. Um, 
Yeah. I think it's everything, you know, because every, something is always going to be taboo to someone and sacred to another, right? So, yeah. Um, and I guess they're both in, one and the same in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I was raised Roman Catholic, and uh, mm. I think anything involving pleasure is, mm. well, at least that's what I was told, considered to be a taboo. Um, it yeah. used, used to be. I'm not sure. I, we may be the, around the same age, but let me be nice and say I am much older than you are. Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I don't know. I remember priests. I went to Catholic school all the way mm-hmm. from grade 1 through 12, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I was 1 through 8, so you okay. got the Well, it's about years. the same. It's about the same. Yeah. Um, and I was told, as were all the young boys back in the 1850s when we were in school, um, they would say, the priests would say, if you touch yourself in an impure way, that is a mortal sin, you know, and it's like... Mortal sin. Mortal sin. Well, first yeah. of all, what is mortal? I mean, it, you know, in yeah. my world... Uh, well, now I'm an atheist, so <laughs> yeah. I, mortal means that you are not a vampire and that you won't live forever. But what if the priest said in an impure way, touching yourself, is there, I wondered, a pure way of, <laughs> of <laughs> touching yourself? Right, and what is, what's the definition? You know, that kind of thing. They never, they, did they ever really go in, into that detail? Well, no, and they couldn't talk about, you know, body parts. I don't think in the entirety of my Roman Catholic education I ever heard any official uh, pronouncement by a priest or a nun about a body part. It wasn't until Dr. Ruth Westheimer, New York, uh, W-Y-N-Y, New York, (laughs) where she said masturbation, and I was like, oh, no, can you say masturbation on the radio? And I guess, so, (laughs) at least in New York, you could. She was amazing. Yeah, Uh, yeah, she was, she was, yeah, she was something else. I remember listening to her. Uh, you know, she would be like required listening in college. You know, like I was, I went to NYU, and you know, I escaped. I still lived in New York, but I was living in the village. So you know, I was with. But we uh, remember with my roommates listening to Doctor Ruth every. Like, I want to think it was like a Sunday night or something like that. But, it, it was on very very late. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, well, we'll put this person on. And the station was owned by NBC, which is, you know, a big deal. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. It was yeah, and and they put her on really late, and she became famous, uh, even yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. remember to my, one of my, one of my classmates in high school, um, she was a friend of the family's, and um, I just remember him showing us a picture of her dancing with him at his bar mitzvah, which just cracks me up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, what's he saying this? Well, I met her in person um, at, a, oh, wow. at a convention. Actually, I think it was in Las Vegas. But she is very short. Is that the correct? Yeah. yeah. And yet, and yet, she was a sniper in the military in Israel. So, uh, you know, just I was astonished. Um, but, you know, her verticalness didn't in any way, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't diminish from... Her power as a yeah. 
as a communicator. And I just love it. I will not try her accent, but the way she said oh. the word masturbation was just uh, thrilling. I know, and she was so, it was like adorable. Yeah. You know, she's talking about what, you know, I would have been told was absolutely filth, you know, but it yes. was adorable. Yeah. You know, it was inaccessible. And, and um, I think something about her, the fact that she had an accent made it uh, like okay to listen to. You know, because it was yeah. a weird, it was a kind of, I don't know, I hate the word exotic sometimes, because it, it's so othering, and, and I don't know. Well, and it was, it sounded like shtick or something that right? Saturday Night Live would do uh, as as comedy, but it was, she was very serious. I mean, she had a good sense of humor. Um, oh, she absolutely did. And it made things, you know, like that were sort of, you know, mysterious, unmysterious. You yeah. know, even as a, you know, I was ostensibly, an, a, you know, a, now an adult or whatever. Um, you know, things about, you know, like, you know, like you, uh, questions that, you know, you wouldn't even know who to ask. You know, before right. the internet, before the internet. You know, like, yeah. who do you ask? You know, I remember there was no way for me to know about sex <laughs> in any way. You know, and I, I, I wonder, like, you know, I had no terms, I had no words, I had no, you know, now I think... Uh, Young people are, you know, inundated with, you know, able to put names on the ways they feel or about themselves and things that, you know, um, and they can see examples and they see, you know, of, and um, uh, there was just none of that. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, in our <laughs> growing up period, you know, mm-hmm. how do we even describe how we feel? How, how do we even know that what we're feeling is? A thing, you know. Well, and, and is it yeah. wrong? And will yeah. we go to hell for all eternity as a result? Yeah. Of, yeah. Now, speaking of which, no, that was a bad transition. But <laughs> my favorite transition is anyway. Anyway, moving along. <laughs> when I am seeing shows, <laughs> burlesque shows, it's like, yep, no way. I'm going to put these two things together. So <laughs> I'm going to give that an anyway. Well, we will. We will discover <laughs> that these things do go together with what I'm going to talk to you next goes together with what we just talked about. Yeah. You and I were speaking um, outside uh, on the sidewalk in Las Vegas at the Majestic Repertory Theater, mm-hmm. and you told me that you thought you might be a gay man in a woman's body. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, what? You know, that was intriguing. If you're willing, I would like to delve into that with you as our yeah. starting point. And if you're not willing, you'll just say, no. No, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, you know, again, it, well, it is a good segue because talking about, like, not having words for how you feel as a kid because you don't know how you might be, you know, how it's different, you know. Um, I often would say it kind of, like, half-jokingly, like, oh, I just feel like I'm a, a gay man in a woman's body and that, that gay man is a drag queen. Um but I guess in it, now I, it, it's sort of a, you know, there's so many, you know, talk about gender fluidity, sexuality fluidity, um, and that's how I feel. And, I, you know, I, I can't even imagine what it's be to really feel so dysphoric and, you know, in the body that you're, you know, the biology of your body when your mind is completely opposite to your body. But I think it's a, it's a kind of a very pale sort of fraction of what that, might be for, you know, a trans person. For me, um, I remember seeing, um, like, drag queens on um, talk shows and things like that, and um, 
and they were treated very nicely at the time. You know, this is, you know, 70s. Um, and but just being absolutely, there's that something, that moment where I would say it's the moment where you didn't know what the question was, but somehow that's the answer. Yeah. You yeah. know? Um, and I just felt um, that these, you know, drag queens who I knew were men dressed as women, but it, I felt like it was, it was even as a, a kid, feeling there was something that was not that exact, it was much deeper than that. And feeling like that, it, I felt like I, that was what I wanted to be. Like, whatever, whoever those people were, that's who I was, in a way. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, my, my little, you know, eight-year-old, nine-year-old mind, whatever it was, I had a little black, so I have a little black, white TV in my bedroom growing up, so, I, and I had a, I, so I actually got to see what television that my parents probably if they knew I was watching probably would have, you know, taken the TV away. But anyway, so I got to see these queens talking, and it stayed with me for a long time before, like, before I ever even, like, did theater or anything like that, you know, um, it was sort of like, you know, that little, like, card in the Rolodex gets, gets, gets filed away of, like, you know, like, this is where you belong, but we were, you know, I didn't know how to get there, but I knew that that's where I was supposed to be, in a way. Yeah. And then, of course, getting older, um, and, um, you know, growing up, like, I, I absolutely, you know, there was definitely people in my grade school that were gay. There had to have been, right? Um, and then things like me, um, there was a flea market, and there was a picture of both sci-fi and fantasy. And I, there was a, a comic book seller who sold uh, 8x10s of um, movie stars and stuff like that. And he had an 8x10 of Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. And... I was absolutely just like I knew I had to just I had to have that picture. I was so I, I wouldn't have said I was in love with her, but it was a, a deeper thing of just like you know like wanting to buy bubble gum or something like that. I was like <laughs> again, this is something that I needed. Like uh, she was an another answer to a question, and I remember saving uh, money like allowance and birthday money to buy that picture, and I also knew that I couldn't. Something in me thought that I couldn't tell, like, my mother or anyone that I wanted that picture. <laughs> there was something that, that I knew that there was something taboo <laughs> that, that I wanted that picture for. Um, uh, so that was another piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, and then later on when I did absolutely, you know, know about, uh, it, 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 me, people who are out, you know, much later, you know, old, uh, you know, very proudly gay and openly gay, and I was gravitated towards, you know, the, the gay community, even before I was even expressing my own sexuality, because I had, you know, I had a, a, a real problem with that. <laughs> I had a real problem with expressing my own sexuality. Um, because I just didn't know where what it was, you know, how to deal with it. Yeah. I was someone that. Yeah. So, like, meeting gay men, and, you know, and then I hear terms like, um, Bag hag, fruit fly, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was also very offended because I felt like that's not who I am. Like, you know, I feel at home with this community, with these guys, because I feel like I'm one of them. 
you know, I don't, I feel like, you know, I, you know, sometimes I'm attracted to someone, sometimes I wasn't, you know, and it, it, it hit me much later on that, uh, you know, my, sort of my sexuality and, and sexual attraction had no, really didn't have any bounds, and that was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> the problem was that, you know, I, and I, I have to say, backtrack, I feel like I'm talking all over the place, but I felt like that, number one, I, I was one of them, but it, but it didn't make sense because I was in a female body, and, you know, I was, I you know, because that, I didn't know how to express that, and that was the only thing I could come up with, that I'm a gay man and a woman's buddy, and although I'm happy in my biology, you know, my parts, sort of that, um, I, when I would be, like, dress up, you know, like, pretty, you know, <laughs> like, you know, dress up as, like, as girls, girls do, like, dress up in dresses and heels, stuff like that, that didn't feel, I never felt right, that. I, like, I liked the dressing up, but it never felt like it was honest, either, like, wearing the dresses. However, when I moved into doing um, more, like, burlesque, and this is much later in life, and I, I, Dressed, finally did actually dress in what other people might dress, term as dressing in drag, being hyper-feminine, hyper, hyper, you know, exaggerated and stuff like that. That's when I really felt like I was good. Like, I was good. Like, like this is this is what I, I feel like I'm right yeah. being in this. You know, it's not like being in a costume, you know, like, I guess, too, you know, but there's something about being in that that's where I felt the most comfortable. And I could feel sexy, I could feel powerful, I could feel, you know, strong and sensual um, and confident in that guise, which goes back to seeing those queens when I was eight or nine years old on, I don't know, Phil Donahue or something like that, you know, um, and, and knowing that they were some kind of answer to the question that I didn't even know how to ask. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I've always hated the term bisexual. And I was just talking about this with someone. I always hate the term bisexual because I feel like bi refers, it's like being bi-coastal, like when the people live on the East Coast and the West Coast. Well, they're only living on one coast at a time, <laughs> you know? So I feel like you can't, sexuality, you're not one thing at one time and nothing other. Like, you're everything at all times. And so when I was in my early 20s, I started calling myself omnisexual. Now all the kids say pansexual, right? So now it's pansexual. Like, people that's of omnisexual because I generally, you know, realized that I was really accepting of my, starting to be accepting of my sexuality was because I saw other people as examples. I saw, you know, there was terms that I could finally, you know, you know talk about. Um, I realized that, you know, like, I, I was attracted to gay men, gay women, straight men, straight men, trans men, trans women. Like, like I really felt like I, uh, this little girl from Ozone Park, Queens, from Our Lady of Perpetual Help, you know, would never have been, you know, allowed to feel any of that. Yes. You know? Um, well, and, and then and then in Las Vegas, you became very well known for burlesque work for many, yeah. many years, right? Yeah. Well, but, but later, I mean, I when I knew about burlesque, but I really started in doing burlesque in 2008. I was 40. Phew. I was late <laughs> <laughs> to finally be able to make you know 
make my outside feel like my inside, you know? Um, it was very emotional getting, getting, doing, starting to burlesque. Um, it still is. Still is. Um, it's very powerful, very, very affirming <laughs> for me. Well, you and your, your, um, you were talking just a moment ago about the hyper femininity and the mm-hmm. exaggeration in the mm-hmm. costuming, makeup, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And that, and but burlesque is different. I I don't know. Is burlesque different from drag performances? Uh, and if so, what are what yeah. are the differences? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yes. I think. I think the the great. Uh, bulk of both performers are, um, I wouldn't call them drag performers, you know, um, they're, they're, you know, very, you know, very glamorous and definitely, you know, a heightened sense of fashion and glamour and, um, and just like, you know, the old school burlesque, that's what they were, you know, they were the movie stars that the ordinary folks could, could go and be in contact with, you know, um, a lot of the old burlesque legends that I talked to, you know, talk about that, about, and a lot of them sort of would model themselves over, you know, as film stars, like they, their names would be play on plays on, you know, movie star names and things like that because um, they were, you know, the movie stars that guys and you know and and sometimes women could go and see and and, and be close to. Yes. Um, but it wasn't a drag. I mean, it's such. I mean, drag. I mean, gosh, I'm certainly not an expert, but that um, sort of you know, it it, it starts out with. The, the, the core of drag is, you know, uh, someone putting on the artifice of the gender that they're not, I guess. That sounds complicated. But there are such things, um, you know, the world's record, uh, they call them bio queens and things like that. Women who feel like myself, how they feel, you know, like getting, you know, sort of hyping up, you know, feminine qualities like as a, as a, a drag queen, classic <laughs> drag queen would do, is where we feel um, our power and our comfort. And that's not to diminish the history or struggle or trauma that <clears throat> drag queens and you know, trans women have, have suffered um, and experienced um, in the last, you know, hundreds of years. Um, but there's a certain, also, I think, um, kinship and sisterhood with tapping into some other power within yourself that hasn't had a, a name yet. You know, that was, has never been given a name. Um, there's a, a wonderful burlesque performer named World Famous Bob um, who tells, like, almost the exact, she told the exact same story as I have about her seeing the drag queens on TV and going, like, that's who, that's me, you know. She's like, that's me. And she's um, definitely, she definitely identifies as, as non binary I, I wouldn't identify myself as non-binary um, I don't know I haven't thought about that much but I've never I, that, that doesn't feel right to me yeah. and I guess it, it all comes it all comes down to that like what feels right to you you know right well, and, and I <laughs> would can change you know I, 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 so. I agree with you in the uh, the not quote unquote not sounding right I don't know what to make of you know I I was actually in San Francisco at a convention and I met a group of people. It was a comic, uh, comic artists uh, convention, and you know, comic books, uh, sequential mm-hmm. 
art and so forth. And it was a group of people, and they were local to San Francisco, and they were um, it was it was they were very aggressive. They were very uh, what I would the first word that came to my mind was they were feminists. They were mm-hmm. very much pro women, pro female as far as rights and so forth. And I started talking with them. It was like just me and then like four of them. And it was very intimidating, <laughs> I, I have to say. And they were, they said, well, we are non-binary. And honestly, this was in 2017. I had never heard that. <laughs> I had never heard that. And I thought, like, what do I admit that I never heard that? What do I say? So I just kept my mouth shut and let them do the talking. And I learned a lot. They were all artists who did um, uh, not so much comic books in the sense of meant to be funny, but they were, you know, it was very political. Yeah. It was it was yeah. activism in an illustrative way. Yeah. And, and they showed me some of the stuff, and some of it was very, I must say, it was very violent um, against men. And I was kind of, whoa, mm-hmm. <clears throat> what is this? But... That was my first time with hearing the non-binary, and that yeah. I don't know. And then it, I had to get used to the pronouns, but I guess right. it, it's pretty easy to say they or there instead of he, yeah. his. You know, that yeah. one's somehow easier. But um, anyway, yeah. I, I digress on that. No, what, no, well, it's interesting. It's, it's true. Like the, you know, the, ter- the again, you know, how do you call? It? How do you name yourself? How do you, you know, um, non-binary? That's it. That's Definitely not something that I heard, you know, 10 years ago. You're right. You know, yeah. like, there's, that's not a term, but oh, gender fluidity, all that, you know, these are all the terms that we never heard, but they certainly existed, you know, like, <laughs> like the conditions, you know, the states of being condition existed, you know, and, you know, just terms weren't, you know, in the, I guess, mainstream. I mean, there were cultures, you know, societies, you know, for millennia that, would have what my girls had terms for you know like the Native American you know the, you know had two spirits and you know dash or you know every, you know they were named for people of you know they held both you know genders yes well the native animal, the know? indigenous uh, peoples of North America and especially in in the continental U S um, like you said that phrase um, mm-hmm. um, two genders. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, maybe that's not correct. What is it? It's more than two spirits. Two spirits, but it's not just yeah. two because that's a binary. You know, you're, oh, ma- you're ma- so it's oh, a third. There's a third. Um, I guess <laughs> here we are pulling our ignorance on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is but Alyssa, you know, hey, <laughs> it's great to listen, listen and learn. Well, I, re- I read into <laughs> yeah, I, re- I read into I read about. I was very interested in the Navajo people. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a, a very large area in uh, the Southwest. Well, we are in the Southwest, but it's in mm-hmm. Arizona, uh, Utah, and New Mexico. Those three states um, have lines, borders that go through the Navajo Nation, and it's a very mm-hmm. uh, large area, larger than I think the state of Rhode Island. But you know, Rhode Island is a very small <laughs> yeah. geographic area, so I I don't know why would anyone say, oh, we're bigger than Rhode Island? Well, everybody is bigger than Rhode Island. 
Um, but I remember because I traveled through there when I lived in Arizona, I would drive through, and it's a very lonely road, two-lane, through the Navajo Nation. And I became interested, and I read about the people, the Navajo, and that's when I came upon the, that um, multiple spirits, and they mean, and they meant multiple genders, or at least the roles um, that one can play in life. Now, of course, in their culture, which is ancient compared to European culture, and, you know, it wasn't about ex- uh, exaggerating femininity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they did put on paint. Mm-hmm. They painted their faces and and foreheads and arms and legs and stuff as part of uh, performances. But their performances, indigenous performances, are more religious or spiritual. Mm-hmm. And they're not necessarily there to entertain like RuPaul is to entertain, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that very uh, instructive. I, I just had a hard time with um, non-binary. Mm-hmm. And I'm still working on it, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it is something that, uh, you know, you said you were in your in your 40s when you came into your own, so to speak. I was in my 40s when I... Uh, decided to admit that I am a gay man, and that I thought was very late. So if you're very late, I'm very late. The late (laughs) Annette Ulihan Verdolino. Better than than never. Um, (laughs) Well, exactly. Yes, yes. Better than never. uh, um, But doesn't it just, you know, I don't know, it blows my mind to see these very young people today yeah. Male, female, or any gender, you know, of their yeah. of their designation, who know at in their twenties, you know, they can't even buy liquor legally yet, and they know yeah. how does that happen? Younger than that, yeah. I think because they see because there are there's representation, there's people, there's other people they can see and and say, oh yes, that that's how I feel. They can talk about it. There's terms to talk about it. They you know, there's ways to name it. You know, the questions that we didn't even know, you know, the the questions we didn't know were questions have already been answered for them, you know. For them, yes, so, yes. You know, which is great, you know. However, all right, I tend to feel a little bit like, um, yeah, maybe you should know a little bit more about our history than all the people who came before you had a... We lost their lives and livelihoods, and you right. know. Well, and, and there <laughs> was. You can have all these answers. Right yes. Well, and there was <laughs> there was punishment in the very exacting sense of that word, punishment. I had gay male friends when I lived in Washington D.C. who talked about being arrested. I mean, this yeah. wasn't present day. It would have been the 1980s, I guess, but they were arrested just for going in the District of Columbia to gay men's, um, well, bars where gay men frequented. And then today, you know, in Las Vegas, which is uh, supposedly Sin City and all the loose world, there aren't even gay bars. Like Washington, D.C. had far better gay bars than Las Vegas. Are you listening, Las Vegas? I know. (laughs) (laughs) And that actually surprised me when I got here, but anyway, yeah. Well, and then I, I arrived here in... Ten years ago now, 2012, mm-hmm. 
and went to one of, uh, I don't even know if it's still open, but it was a, <laughs> they combined in the Fremont Street area, they combined a drag show with a bowling alley. And it's like, oh, you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, those two things go together, right? No. It was called or something like that. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. It was fun, though. (laughs) Drink, was it called Drink and Drag? Drink and Drag. I I don't know. I don't think it was called that. I don't know. Well, it was a bowling alley, yeah. It was a bowling alley. And I thought, I thought, wow, these people are not very good. (laughs) 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 You know, they just were not like the drag performers in Washington, D.C. Right. There was one who was, uh, the name was Ella Fitzgerald, and, you know, people of a certain age know Ella Fitzgerald. She, Ella Fitzgerald, the real person, is yeah. my favorite musician of all time. Mm-hmm. And she is no longer living, but she lived a very yeah. long time. Um, so in D.C., there was a male, a guy, who dressed up as Ella Fitzgerald, and he became known as Ella Fitzgerald. And in the shows that he did, she did, I don't know, what's the pronoun here? Um, Miss Ella did a show that was hysterically funny. Never sang a note, I guess, for the, mercifully, because I don't think it was all about the singing. It was more, you know... The provocative, provocative mm-hmm. presentations, yeah. but so anyway, Las Vegas is just is just not a gay man's haven if you're coming here <laughs> to have a good time in a gay bar. I mean, there are yeah. a few. There still. are more now. I mean, there are you know there are some pretty fun bars now. Yeah. Like uh, I, when I first moved here, there was like it was Gypsy and Angles. I want to say. And they were in the Fruit Loop when they used to call it the Fruit Loop. And then, yes. Well, and that was and another was thing. Like Badlands, and yeah. then. Um, calling something the Fruit Loop. And, yeah. Calling something the Fruit Loop seemed very disrespectful, but it, it was yeah, meant it was meant to be, you know, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, there was but a, at least, like, at least, like, at least we had this like little half a block of stores and bars. And yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you know what it is. You know, it's like you know, you go to a major city, you know, you know, like oh, Castro, oh, you know. The village, oh, you know, yes. Boystown in Chicago. You know, they, you know, it's like, I know I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in Washington, um, D.C., it, it out here, you know. Yeah. In D.C., it was, um, uh, in, is now underneath a baseball stadium. They, they built the baseball stadium, yeah, and they took out all of, uh, all of the gay bars. It was a very sad thing. Uh, I mean, I oh. guess, I guess it's good they got a baseball team, but, uh, all the gay bars gave up their lives and their livelihoods. Yeah. And, yeah. and no more Miss Ella, as far as I know. Uh, so. Wow. Well, when, in your performances, I've seen you, I don't think I've ever seen you in a burlesque presentation which is my loss but i've seen you in um you were in sweeney todd right Mm -hmm. and then recently uh in the uh who are the two guys i can never think of their names they wrote the authors say that again the authors of the show richard obracker and robert taylor there you go and that was the sand sandman Mm-hmm. And that was, is it a spoiler to say you were the villain? Well, you weren't the villain. I weren't the villain. I was, I was, yeah. I, I, again, I was making people question who I was. Which yes. Great. 
Well, all the way, all the way to the very end, the suspense was just palpable because you were in the story, in the in the drama. You were hired by people to be the uh, caretaker to take care of children. The nanny, yeah, yeah, the yeah, nanny, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and that's not a good profession for someone who's murderous. I don't think. <laughs> You know, that's the whole thing. I mean, I have to, you know, I have to give credit to Richard and Robert for creating this a complex character, you know, and I just got to, you know, play with it and, and mess, mess around and have my own opinions about what, yeah. you know, what. I mean, she's just, you know, she's just a woman in 1830s Germany who had to make her way for herself somehow. With, you know, she did what she had to do in order to survive. That's well, how I like to look at it, you know. <laughs> Well, and I had I had previously seen you in Sweeney Todd, and I, be- I, I believe what what did I say funny? Uh, no, I'm just saying, like I said, like I'm I'm playing all the murderers. Well, were you um, Mrs. Uh, what's her name? Mrs. Lovett. Mrs. Lovett, yeah. You were, and she yeah. was, yeah. She was a cannibal. Actually, she was. I don't know if she actually ate human flesh, but she made pies out of. Yeah, she sent them to other people. I don't think she, I don't know if she actually ate her own pies. I, no. I really don't think she did. She probably did not. No. Uh, well, what I was going to say was you were in uh, in the Sandman and in Sweeney. Mm. You were not only you know you had the acting responsibility because you are. I mean, forget for a second costuming and makeup and hair and hair and that you wore in uh, the Sandman was just. It's, oh, it was all the way. It was unbelievable. But yeah. what I was going for is that you were you had to sing. Well, you didn't have to, but you accepted <laughs> the job. <laughs> and they wrote songs for you, music and lyrics by, uh, and it was you really pulled it off. And you know, it's one thing for actors, people who act, but it's another thing. This is all my opinion. Who am I? But singing. <laughs> And acting together at, in one evening, I think that's pretty remarkable, don't you? Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. No, I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you know. yeah you're, you're. I think. I think of myself as not as a great singer, but I can pull it off. You know, kind of thing. But I could only. I was only able to act the crap out of stuff. So I think there might be some people who are just more, much more skilled technical singers, singers than I am. Yeah. But you know, I really work hard at it, and I can. You know, I can. Definitely pull it off. So well, and so the and the music in both those examples, Sweeney oh, Todd right, right. and yeah. the Sandman, it's not exactly Paul McCartney music. You know, it's mm. uh, very complex. Some of it never rhymes. <laughs> yeah, there's a rhyme. The, the intervals are crazy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. There and was yet, that, and, that, and, that, 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 well, and and the, and you pulled that off. I went back to see Sweeney multiple times. Also, Sandman yeah. too. I think multiple yeah, times. Yeah, you did it twice at least. Yeah, at least twice. Yeah. <laughs> so I look forward to the next. And I saw online it's a one-word thing, and I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, maybe it's in the past. We are taping this on in mid-February, and maybe you already mm-hmm. did this. It was a one-word title. Uh, don't help me. <laughs> Uh, I'm lost here. That I'm doing? That I'm well, doing. it was on Facebook. You had a post about doing a one-word title, like hair, you know, and that wasn't Oh, I went, well, I went to see The Craft, which 
which was up in the majestic right now. Yeah, no, that's that's two words though, and it was. <laughs> I did carry. Well, that was funny because I did carry at Majestics before I did uh, Sweeney. I did the musical Carrie, which is a musical based on the movie and the book, right? Yeah. Um, and then I played the Carrie's mom. So again, I was you know crazy and murdering people. So. Yeah, you know, I mean, hey, there I is feel a, like I'm typecast. There is a pattern here, you know, it's all emerging. Just I know. Just just lie back on the couch. You are not in any danger. <laughs> and I will ask you a really tough question. Are there differences in your mind, your opinion, between male centered language and perceptions as compared to female centered language and perceptions? My gut Without without you pulling up examples, my gut automatically says yes. <laughs> but um, that's because people who move through the world in a male body and people who move through the world in a female body, perceived or you know, or artificed or, or you know, biological, whatever, um, I think have different experiences. Yes, yeah. Um, experiences, of course, come from the way the outside world or people or society reacts towards that person, right? So that's how you experience, right? There has to be an interaction. Even you can't, it's not a one-way street. You know? Right, and, and you can't be all by yourself with no observers or no viewers right, or right. no audience. Well, and um, I, I think of David Bowie, who, um, you know, man, mm. Annette, Annette, we are so old, we outlived oh. David Bowie. <laughs> oh, my God, it breaks my heart, though. I, I know, <laughs> but when you think about it, he was... Um, an icon of these, I don't know if it was yeah. called gender fluidity. I don't think it had that name then. It didn't yeah. have that Andro- name. It would say androgynous. It would say androgynous. Yeah. Except the word androgyny is a male-oriented word. Uh, Androgen, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yet he was playing, well, I don't know, they weren't really female. They were, they were, I don't know, skinny and, and, kind of ethereal, kind of like alien mm-hmm. like alien from another planet type of thing. Yeah. And when when he appeared in that movie, um there was a, he was in a science fiction uh The Man Who Fell to Earth. The Man Who Fell yeah. to Earth. Yeah, that was like, wait a minute, that's typecasting, but yeah. <laughs> he, he was very good and he could do things mm-hmm. with his voice yeah. and they did things with the makeup. But he is someone that is an icon. He's in our past. I wonder what people of today you know, the young ones in their 20s as they're typing away with their thumbs trying to... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Am I prejudiced? Uh, They're trying to express themselves. They wouldn't cite David Bowie. I don't know who today... I mean, I think more educated and more, you know, uh, curious, you know, might, uh, because let's face it, you know, his music is just so delicious and he was just so delicious and... I have to say, the first time that I ever ever felt a sexual response in my own body was watching the David Bowie video, music video for China Girl. So, oh, I guess, wow. <laughs> so David Bowie very important to my sexual awakening. Wow, that um, is something. <laughs> that is well, and I saw him in concert in yeah. in the Washington D.C. Uh, no, no, no. This was I lived in the Boston, Massachusetts area back then, and I saw him in concert. Um, at, at Foxborough Stadium, it's not called that today, but uh, um, something about a serious moonlight was in the lyrics. Of, oh, yeah, 
the yeah. Serious Moonlight tour. Okay, that's oh, right. I'm so jealous. Yeah, that was the Left Dance album. That was the tour that followed that album. And that was the tour that everyone I knew was, was going crazy about. Yeah. And I, was wish, I wish I had known more. I had more confidence to have tried to go see it. So well, it was, tell me about that concert. Well, it was, it was totally unforgettable because he uh, is or was rather an exceptional performer he could reach out you know in a in a football outdoor football stadium like that yeah. um it was you know if you're far away like 50 yards away let's say you're going to have a hard time seeing anything but he really filled his spirit his voice i remember the sound system was just exceptional but um I feel lucky. I count myself as lucky as having been able to see him in concert. You know, yeah. he, he didn't live. Um, I'm not sure how old he was when he passed away, but he um, seventy one. I want to say okay, yeah, years ago, yeah. But he didn't. That serious moonlight tour was like I don't think it was very influential. <laughs> that I never get. To, but I got the tour. The next tour he did, I got to see him. In his glass, it was called the Glass Spiders tour. So I've seen that, but it was a very weird stage setup where he. It was very uh, like a stage, uh, a production show, like a theater show. So he didn't like really sing to the audience. And um, now I understand what he was going for. But back then, I was just I just wanted him to come out and sing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I wanted to see him front like serious moonlight. How I'd seen you know pictures when like in the mid. It looked like he was in the middle of you know that all the huge crowds and. So, so China Girl huh, is the uh, yeah. I, I, I'll tell you what, because um, he, uh, one of the actors was that played the China Girl. It sounds kind of like I'm a little racist now, I guess. But um, uh, they had a scene where they were sort of like making out on the beach, and um, you could see kind of see their tongues were touching. <laughs> 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 and I didn't, you know, this is you know, I was probably. 14 maybe and, you know after you know 8 years of Catholic school you know um, and watching that video just going oh you know like feeling things happening <laughs> like, you know, like I never felt before you know that new all those new hormones you know that yes. were saturating my body right. you know <laughs> right um, well, and I, I remember it almost was as I remember that song and that video the phrase is almost sexual when he says, just you shut your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, baby, just you shut your mouth. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. wow. Like, like a, it was a growly, breathy sort yeah, of, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, yeah, come on, I'm feeling it now. <laughs> <laughs> Menopausal as I am, I'm still, yeah. still drumming something up. Well, we can both shower <laughs> afterwards separately. There you yeah. go. There you go. <laughs> Well, <laughs> now you had, <laughs> oh my, explicit podcast, that's what this is. I know, well, this, uh, that, I mean, that, that's pretty vanilla. I mean, I think that's pretty that vanilla. I, I didn't, vanilla. I, I, you, you never said the word fuck once in this, and me neither. No, oh, I, well, I, I just I did. I was like, you know what, I can't let you know. Anyway, ah, so... Well, I was going to I was going to bring up that a Las Vegas newspaper praised you as being the secret sauce in huh? many productions, and I guess they meant along with mayonnaise, sweet pickle relish, 
<laughs> yellow mustard and so forth. No, what did you think when, know. has anyone ever <laughs> complimented you using food metaphors? Um, I, you know, I don't know, but I have to say, like, my, like, my, my biggest praises and my biggest adjectives are all food related. So if something is really fantastic, it's always delicious. To, you know, like I always say delicious, yummy, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll describe it. Like I'll, and I'm certainly, you know, I, I, I would probably be, be compared to mayonnaise any day, even though I know pe- there's some people who actually hate mayonnaise. I don't understand it. I respect it, but I don't, I know. Um, wait, 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 wait. You said you've been compared to mayonnaise? I said I wouldn't mind being, you know, the fact that I, you know, I'd be compared to mayonnaise. That's fine with me. I because I love mayonnaise. <laughs> I would collect mayonnaise. I'm not kidding. I go to, when I go to travel, when I, you know, used to travel, I used to be in a different city every month, you know, hosting relax shows and festivals and stuff like that. And when I, I go to, like, you know, other states, I would find who would like the local mayonnaise or <laughs> 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 and bring home a jar. It's kind of funny. I know, you know, because it's, I always say, because I, I'm celiac and I can't have gluten anymore, I tell people, oh, don't worry, what I lack in gluten, I make up for in mayonnaise. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so I seriously, so being, being called a secret sauce, that was pretty sweet. That was pretty, yeah. you know, the way to, way to this, this one part is still part. Well, I, I just, you have, you have, together with me here, come up with a one-word title for a future show for you. Okay. And the word is mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. Or um, sauce. Maybe like sauce. sauce. Yeah. Because sauce can be so many things. Sauce yeah. can be, you know, Italian, you know, tomato sauce, which I grew up, you know, having every Sunday at my grandmother's house, my dying grandma's house. Yeah. So, sauce. But like sauce also can be referred to, you know, like, you know, liquids and gels that the body might produce in order to make contact that's me. Yeah. You know. Now, are you being sexual right now, or is that just... I'm sure I am. Why not? You know. <laughs> <laughs> if well, we're lucky, we make our own sauce. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> As well, we get older, we make less and less of it, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have your... Of your three names, the middle one, Houlihan, sounds Irish, and you just recently, I, I know, you recently traveled to Ireland. Yeah. Was this a way to connect with that side of your roots? Uh, oh, yes, absolutely. So my mom is from was from Ireland, and she emigrated to the States in the early 60s. Um, so all my family on my mother's side are in Ireland still. Uh, I have one aunt who was who emigrated as well. Um, who was in Florida, but everyone else is, you know, living or buried in Ireland still on her side. So when I go there, it's definitely, you know, I'm not being a tourist. You know, I don't, I don't get to be a tourist. I just go to see family. Um, but I did take the time out on my 50th birthday. I, I went there for the summer, and I wanted to. Originally, I, I was going to, to. I took a trip out to the Skellig Rocks, which are. Um, where they filmed, uh, like, The Force Awakens or Luke, the Luke Skywalker. It's the actual place where they filmed, like, Luke Skywalker, uh, like, where he wound up. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, <laughs> in, yes. In the Star Wars trilogy. Like, only, you know, these rocks. So I, being the Star Wars geek, I said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to take a boat trip to see the Skellig, actual Skellig rocks. And I thought I was going out to, um, just to, you know, just to see where Luke Skywalker lived and, you know, to see some, you know, some natural, you know, stuff, but 
on the boat trip out there, I something else happened, and I felt like, you know, talking about reconnecting to your roots, you know, standing there on a, on a boat with the salt, you know, hitting my face and seeing the, the gannets and the cormorants and, you know, and the dolphins, you know, just, you know, dolphins, the, por- the, the porpoises going along the boat and the cormorants diving into the ocean and um, taking this long trip, you know, 45-minute trip with, on a, you know, a gas-powered boat onto these rocks that, you know, you just felt like the earth, you know, it's like these, these, the tips of these islands of rock are just the tips of these huge mountains underneath the, the ocean, and I, it, you, it, you just felt that. I don't know how else to describe it, but I felt, you know, people talk about feeling, hearing the ancestors whisper to them, then, and I, you know, I certainly felt something like that being out on that water and seeing those incredible formations, um, yeah, it was really incredible. Um, that is a really good story. I'm glad I asked yeah. you about Ireland. Though. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't really talk about that. But <laughs> no, you. Um, that's a very. I mean, the tip of the rock all the way and everything going hidden under the ocean. That's yeah. a very powerful be, metaphor. Yeah. And to be so close to really understand that, you know. Yeah. Um, now, did you get out of the boat and go on to the islands? Um, you uh, you have to book a, a special a special tour because it's a protected site, oh. um, and they book out like apparently years in advance. So I couldn't do that. But in the end, I'm glad I didn't because it's a very treacherous <laughs> trip. Apparently, yeah. and anything you t- and they they kind of they drop you off on the rocks and leave you there for five hours and then pick you up. But you can't leave anything behind. But there's no bathrooms or anything like that. So <laughs> and you know the the <laughs> look, but what is absolutely mind, like, I'm going to say mind-fucking about those rocks is that um, at, the t- at the top there's actually these cairns that were built, you know, something like 600 A.D., um, these um, monasteries that were built on the top of these rocks out in the middle of the ocean. Now, it took us 45 minutes on a gas-powered, you know, via boat to get to these rocks. So the monks who built those monasteries had to travel over the ocean with all the materials <laughs> to build those monasteries. Now, you know, say true about, you know, like, good old Catholicism or whatever, but talk about that kind of passion and devotion. Being in boats that are basically made out of, like, reeds, you know, rushes that were woven together. Yeah, yeah. You know, these currents that they, that they you know, probably took them hours and hours and hours just to get to these rocks. I'm like, why would you go there to build your monastery? Yeah. You know, like, that's nuts, you know. And they, could, they probably couldn't even see it clearly. Like, they put, you know, they're so far away from the, you know, how could they have seen what was out there? They just went out, you know, they felt the calling to go and build. And that, that also, to me, made me feel like, oh, God, you know, like, so I'm always worried about being inspired by something, or I don't feel inspired to, you know, to take a walk or to create art or things like that. I think of those people, in, you know, thousands of years ago who rose boats with their own hands, got in them, took a few rocks with them, a few carving tools, and, you know, risked their lives going across the stormy ocean to this, you know, tip of a mountain in the middle of the ocean because they wanted to be closer to divinity or closer to the, the divine. That's, you know... 
I feel paltry compared to that, you know. That is so, amazing. Well, yeah. this has been an, a complete pleasure for me. I just want to, oh, you know, yeah. kiss, kiss, say nice things. <laughs> and uh, remember, you heard uh, it here first, and the Oscar goes too. <laughs> Uh, so hopefully you will get a gig in a an Academy Award nominated film at some point. Wow! Thank you, Woody. Well, and I think you would be um, when I first heard your voice, and this was back, I think Sweeney. I had, it was the first time I met you and, and saw a performance. I, you know, I came out of the radio industry, uh, mm. being on the radio on the air, and paying attention to how people communicate, just the sound of their voice and how they use yeah. their voice. You know, and as I already said, you're an actor and a musician at the same time in the same evening. But I thought that it would be a natural for you to do, um, well, I guess they're called spoken word. Um, people write um, plays just to be recorded and then shared. Mm -hmm. You know, they can share yeah. them as MP3s now on online, but oh, it, it used to be they would make records on vinyl and then CDs, uh, you know, discs on right. whatever. They're made out of plastic. But I do think that your voice lends itself because you do different types of uh, delivery. You, you know, have accents and you have inflections that change. Uh, professionally, uh, so yeah. someday I think doing, doing. I'm not saying voiceover work, but doing voice production for yeah. storytelling. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, and yeah. Ma I, maybe you I, and I, I can get to. Huh? <laughs> I've been told that before, but again, it's just been so lazy. <laughs> well, maybe you and I can get together. Uh, you know, I don't have anything in the in the pipeline right now that I could say. Oh yeah, I'll bring this, and Annette will tape it, and we'll co-produce it but let me work on that fun. and we'll come up with something i hope oh that'd be so much fun yeah Love and that. in the meantime i look Thank forward you. to your next um las vegas um performance <laughs> to see the secret sauce there <laughs> live on stage with or without so mayonnaise <laughs> say that there's always there's true. always another one just waiting yeah. around <laughs> around the bend annette thank you so much i have enjoyed oh, this thank you this has been an absolute this has been delicious this has been <laughs> oh baby delicious you your mouth. <laughs> find out more about this topic go online to the website taboo truths and tales.com that's taboo truths and tales.com taboo truths and tales is hosted by madera de souza that's me thank you <laughs>